This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovey and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. We are less than one week away from the Buffalo Bills opening training camp at St. John Fisher University in Rochester. How Hard to believe it's already here. Football season is upon us. I always like to say, Wake up from your hibernation. It's football season. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove. It's always game day in Buffalo. Where has the summer gone, Matt? It's incredible. The Jets have already opened training camp. They're playing in the Hall of Fame game. And, of course, that's going to be the Bills' first opponent. But it's here, man. St. John Fisher next week. Yeah, I'm excited. I honestly am just excited for a little bit of normalcy. I love training camp. I love especially the first couple weeks of training camp. Admittedly, at the end of camp, it does start to drag out a little bit. I sit there and wonder like, okay, when can we get back to Buffalo? But to me, fall football, that's my favorite time of the year. I enjoy summer as much as I can. But to me, it feels like summer is the appetizer for the fall, which is my favorite time of the year. And it's not just the football. It's the weather. It's hockey starting soon. It's the holiday season. Like th- there's a lot of check marks that come off for me in the fall. So I'm excited. Well, we have missed you on the program. I know you popped yeah. in a couple of times here or there over the last, you know, month and a half. Um, yeah. You had your beautiful new baby girl and I know she's doing awesome, but I know you also went through um, a really rough time here recently. And I think a lot of fans already know mm-hmm. um, that your dad passed away recently last week. And I'm just going to let you kind of talk about that as much as you want on this show before we get to the nuts and bolts of what we need to do. Yeah, well, thank you. And thank you to everybody. I think that's the biggest thing that I want to say here is the outpouring of support from friends, family, strangers has been unbelievable. This has been the hardest couple weeks of our lives. I adore my father. And even though he's gone, I will still think about him every single day, probably every single hour. Right now, I'm at the point of shock. I still don't necessarily comprehend that this has happened. You know, I've had people tell me that the wake and the funeral were going to be so, so hard. And I actually found those pretty easy because you were surrounded by so many people who love you and who care about you. It's the driving home from the funeral to my parents' house that's now just my mom's house and realizing that now it's just her house and it's the little things that kind of set you off. Like the other day, I opened our freezer in the basement and there was some soup that he made that I had in the freezer and you just start to cry because then you realize, oh my gosh, like he made that. And then you wonder, do you eat it? Do you leave it in the freezer forever? What exactly do you do? 
there's some songs that have come up randomly that you just sit there and you start to sob on. It's a process. And I've actually found great comfort in the people who have told me that it doesn't get easier. I think sometimes when people go through loss, sometimes there are those who are quick to say it will get better. Time heals all wounds. I think to an extent that's true, but I've also appreciated the people who have gone through something similar and who have been like, listen, this is terrible and it will always be terrible. It's just a matter of how you manage it. And then over time, you'll think about it a little less, a little less. There will be triggers that come up. There will be holidays. There will be memories. You know, as we're getting ready for football season, my dad loved the Buffalo Bills. The Bills were his favorite team. And a big reason I do what I do is because I grew up in a household where my dad loved football. He played football from the time he was a little kid up until he was in college. And he just loved the Bills. And I think about getting back to football and I think about how much he loved this time of year. He listened to the podcast. He listened to GR every day. He listened to One Bills Live. And you just think about that and you, you think about like how you still have that special connection with him of going to games. And even though he can't watch the games, I know he's watching. I know he's watching from somewhere. I know he'll still be with me for that. But the thing that I keep thinking about that's just like really, really tough is during Bill's games, my dad texted me like nonstop, like the most ridiculous text <laughs> messages like any dad probably would. And it's going to be weird walking into the press box in New Jersey and not getting those text messages. Like those are the things that I'm going to have to get used to. So yeah, this is our life. It's awful. It hits in waves. You cry, you laugh, you're confused of why it happened. He was trending. I think I said the last time I was on the podcast, he was trending in an okay direction. And then we got a phone call the next morning, we recorded the podcast on a Sunday. The next morning, I got a phone call that nobody ever wants to get. I rushed to the hospital and minutes later, you know, we lost him. But I'm rambling. I'm sorry. This is not an easy thing to talk about. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you to all of the people who have reached out to all of the people who have sent messages to the people who signs the guest book on the obituary to the people who came to the wake and to the funeral. Like there were so many people. And that makes you feel so good because I always knew how special my dad was, but to see everybody else show that outpouring of support just kind of fills you with pride. My dad told us every single day how proud he was of us. And, you know, at the end of the day, there's nothing that makes me prouder than being Jim Bovee's son. I love it. It's well said. Um, if I may, you know, I think, you know, your dad, my dad, very similar Italian men who just loved on their sons as much as possible. Yeah. And you know, I lost my dad at 19 and it doesn't get easier, I would say, in that regard. Um, it, it, it just changes the way you think about it. It's been a long time. I mean, I, my dad died in 1993. And I will tell you that I still think about him a lot. But now I think about the funny things that he did or said uh, when something's happening. And I always wish that he was here to see his grandson, Max. And I'm so happy that your dad yeah. got to be with his granddaughter. And, I, and I'm sorry. I don't mean to get emotional either. But no, it just it's okay. makes me makes me happy to know that he was able to spend some time with her before he passed. Well, I can look at it one of two ways. And we talked about this on the podcast too, very early on in the stages of the podcast. My dad has been sick. My dad has had a really rough decade. Now there have been times where he got a little bit better and where things were looking good, but it's kind of been this little roller coaster. The day before the season in Los Angeles, I knew that my wife and I were expecting a baby. I had not told my parents yet. 
I think I found out like a week before. I wanted to tell them in person. I wanted to do something special for them. The night before the Bills game, I got a call that my dad had a massive stroke and was in the hospital, and they didn't know if he was going to make it through the night. So I got on a red eye in L.A. at 10 o'clock, flew home through the night, and was able to see him the next day. And luckily, he recovered, you know, almost fully back to the point that he was at. He was in the hospital for a week and a half. But then when he got home, we told him about the baby. And I remember flying home in the middle of the night and just thinking to myself, he's about to be a grandfather. He doesn't even know it. And he's never going to get to meet his at that point, we didn't know if it was a boy or a girl. So he's never going to meet his grandson or his great granddaughter. And then we got to tell him and he was so, so, so excited. So I, I feel like he's, you know, he's robbed of being a grandfather. My daughter is robbed of having a grandfather that she can grow up with. But we also got a couple months that we did not know if we were going to get. In those moments, there's a video on my phone. I've watched it legitimately probably 100 times in the last couple of days where he and my mom are on a walk with the baby. And he's just sitting there saying her name and talking to her. And it just, you know, it makes you sob. Because you yeah. now, the one thing I'm so worried about is I can still vividly hear his voice in my head. I'm worried about losing that. I know I won't. And luckily, you've got those messages and voicemails yeah. and videos that make that a little bit easier to go back and listen to. But that's the thing. I'm just worried about losing that voice in my head. I met your mom for the first time. How's she doing? She okay? <sighs> my mom is the strongest person I know. She actually said, we we all did the eulogy. My mom, my sister, and I, we all spoke at the mass. And um, my mom said so many people have told her how strong she is, but my dad was the strong one. And she was just kind of following his lead nobody's doing okay. Right. And that's totally okay. So that's kind of the thing that we've just kind of accepted. We don't know how we're doing. Somebody told us, take it day by day. Even that seems daunting. So sure. we're just trying to take it hour by hour. We're filling the house, friends, family. We're trying to be there as much as we can, you know, but, but yeah. then the, the sobering reminder of all of this is, you know, you have all of these people who are there to support you, like life moves on for everybody else. And then you sit there and you wonder, like, how does your world continue to turn? I remember walking out of the hospital. We were the day he passed away. We stayed in the hospital. We were there for about four or five hours. And I remember I rushed to the hospital as fast as I could. I valeted the car just because I needed to get up there right away. And I remember walking downstairs and getting my you know, giving my ticket to the valet person and waiting for my car and like looking around and seeing people come and pick up their cars and laughing and having conversations. And it's just like for everybody else, this is a normal day. But I think that makes you realize that everybody's got a cross to bear. Everybody's got something going on in their lives. You're never going to know what somebody else is going through. And for us, that has been the last couple of weeks. You try and find perspective on the last podcast. We talked about Eddie. He was eight years old and he passed away. You know, I, I cannot fathom that, especially now being a parent. I cannot yeah. fathom losing a child. Um, so, yeah, you, you look at that perspective. 61 years for my dad. Not enough. Wish he was here for 30 more years. But 61 years, he gave us a lifelong of, you know, lessons and memories. And we'll always hold those close to our hearts. And by all means, you can talk more about him if you'd like. But if if I may, you know, say we can end on this because yeah, it's super positive to say, listen, in this life, as you're learning and going to learn, as you go on as a father, Matt, 
and I have been learning over the last 10 years with my son, you know, we all say the same thing, which is you just want to make sure that you leave and give them a better world to grow up in and you raise them the right way that they can handle things on their own and they become good people. Your yeah. dad raised a good son. You're, you're, you. you're a good man. And, and, and you, I know you're proud of him and, no matter what happens, I'm going to tell you that he's going to be always super proud of you watching Dow, buddy. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And, um, you know, that's one of those things. I appreciate you saying that. And you always wonder, like, oh, is your are your parents proud of you? Do your parents love you? Like, yeah. I, I never had to wonder. They yeah. told me all the time. I, I don't right. know if it's, you know, I, I was very, very, very lucky. And, you know, so thank you to the people who have reached out. Thank you to the staff at Niagara Falls Memorial. That's where he was in the beginning when he first was sick. He was there for about a week and a half, and then he was transferred. That staff was awesome. They took such good care of him. So thank you to them. And just thank you to everybody who has reached out. It, it's so many cool messages I've gotten from people who went to high school with him, people who worked with him for 30 years. Some of the stories, they're just awesome, and they make you feel good. And... Now that we've talked about all the sad things, we've got some good stuff to talk about, but there is a cool connection here. So I am from the North Towns, okay? Like, I live currently on Grand Island. Okay. My mom is from the Falls. My dad is from right on the border of Elma and East Aurora. So all my dad's family is in that area, East Aurora, Elma. Okay. Wow. My, my dad was a regular at a certain restaurant that has become <laughs> very, very popular in the East Aurora area that we now have some fun news with. So I'll let you share that. All right, let's do that here on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, it's Sal Capaccio from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. It's not just a podcast, it's the 25th hour of your day. Your weekly source for all things Buffalo Bills. Right on time, your time. In the car, navigate the streets with NFL wisdom in your ear. We accompany every errand you need to run. Washing the windows or vacuuming the carpets? Don't just clean, conquer. Podcasts make you more productive because we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow It's Always Game Day in Buffalo in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Sal Capaccio, WGR Sports Radio 550. Matt Bove, WKBW-TV Channel 7 Sports Director. Folks, we are taking the show on the road. Let's go, baby. Road trip time, Matthew. <laughs> we excited. are going to be doing this show right here, uh, recording it. You could see us hanging out at the Barbill Tavern location in Rochester during training camp, Monday night, July 31. Around seven o'clock is when we'll get started. We'll probably show up a little bit early. We're going to hang out with everybody late, but who knows what the night is going to bring. It could bring 
special guests along the way. It could yeah. bring a two-hour show, a five-hour show. I don't know. Maybe we're there for 30 minutes, and then we just have chicken wings and drink. I don't know what is going to happen, except that you and I are going to be there saying hi to the fans. We want everybody to come out. We want everybody to say hi. It's 1129 Empire Boulevard in Rochester. That is, I just looked, a nine-minute drive <laughs> from St. John Fisher University, Matt. You know, it's cool because you take the show on the road, and first off, we appreciate anybody who's willing to have us or who thinks that this would be a good idea. We do not need to pretend that we're going somewhere <laughs> that has like, oh, these wings are so good. Like, Barbell are my favorite wings in all yeah. of Western New York. The Cajun Honey Butter Barbecue Wings are my favorite wing ever, legitimately ever. So to go do a show at Barbell for their new location, a couple minutes away from training camp. And I think it'll be cool because hopefully people come and they want to see and check it out and everything. But it's also a nice opportunity to go try that location. There's so many people in Rochester who have never had Barbell wings. And they're like, oh, are these really good? Are they really worth the hype? Now you can go. You can try the wings for yourself. They are worth it. And then you can come say hi to Sal and I. Or you can just talk to Sal and I can just hang out in the corner, whatever you prefer. I, I don't think that'll be happening. We're going to have a good time with whoever shows up. I think that uh, the two of us, we probably will be talking more than the people coming up to talk to us, knowing how much we both love to talk. We hope to see people there. We hope to see you there. Bar Bill Tavern in Rochester, 1129 Empire Boulevard, Monday, July 31. The Bills have a practice Monday morning, and they have a practice Tuesday morning, which is why this works out really well for everyone to be around. We're going to be hanging out. So come on out, say hi to us, watch this show, and like I said, maybe some special guests along the way all right bills had some big news yeah the no day kidding. before we record this we are sitting here on thursday morning on wednesday afternoon the news came down that ron Rakuya and the team have parted ways yep. uh, ron was the coo evp i believe was his official title terry pagula will now step into the role of team president john roth comes over as the new evp coo uh, he was part of the Sabres organization. He was just brought in not too long ago. It all adds up to a new restructure of the front office. There's some other names in there, too, that I'll get to in a minute to tell you about. But, Matt, I have to be honest, really, really surprising news, especially with the timing for me. Yeah, I mean, what was it, six weeks ago? Everything is kind of coming into, like, the the realm of my paternity leave. The paternity leave that I was supposed to be you know, at home relaxing turned out to be something very different. But my first day of paternity leave was the day of the groundbreaking at the new stadium, which I think was six weeks ago. And Ron was like the main person up on the stage. He was the person who was the forefront of the stadium. We have heard from Ron, I don't know, once a month for the last two years probably is a safe bet. I think it started back to when the project was approved at the owners' meetings in West Palm Beach. And then every time we've had a stadium update or really a big team update, Ron has been the person talking. So for this to happen this fast, I, I, I don't know what happened. I haven't really looked into too much of it just with everything going on, but th this certainly could not have been planned. I mean, that's just my read on everything. They wouldn't have had that man on stage as the point person for their stadium six weeks ago and then decide to part ways a month and a half later. That, that just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make much sense to me either. We haven't heard, heard from any parties involved on this. I will tell you on the WGR side of things, um, Bulldog reached out to Ron, um, did not hear back. I have yet to do that because I was on with him that day, so he did that. 
Um, but nobody has been able to really get any clarification yet on exactly what happened. But I agree with you that it seems like this was something that wasn't necessarily being planned not too long ago. Um, now Terry Pagula becomes the team president and John Roth, like I said, is now the new COO EVP. I wonder if that means he's in charge of all of the point stuff on the construction, like you said, the stadium, because to me, that was the thing that Ron was certainly first and foremost, the front facing man on. They're actually doing this, you know, documentary series. The bills are their own in-house production company on, you know, the stadium and the vision for it and things like that. And Ron is right there. And as you know, We've talked so many times. You've talked to him. We've had him on the radio numerous times. He's been so accommodating to tell us all about the things. I remember going back to last training camp, actually, is when we really started to hear all the cool things that were going to go into this new stadium. And now here we are a year later. Shovels are in the ground. The new virtual center is being talked about open. I haven't heard much about that, particularly lately. Ron was the guy who kind of seemed like he was coordinating between the state, the county, the commissioner, the bills, the mm -hmm. deals that were going on as far as the financing of it and putting it all together. So to me that ended, but another phase began, which is, Hey, now we have three years of this thing. He was the guy overseeing it and suddenly he's not there anymore. So I'm left with a lot of questions about who is actually going to be the people in charge of and talking about all of that kind of stuff with us. Yeah. One thing that I do want to say when you talked about like the ticket office in Williamsville. So I've been told very early September, late August okay. is when you can expect that to be open. Anybody who is getting a ticket at the new stadium at some point is going to have to go there and do their thing. So that's the timeline that I've been told on that. I don't think for the casual fan, this has that big of an impact. I think this is much more on like the business stadium side but I think there might be kind of a residual impact on the Buffalo Sabres, maybe even more than the Buffalo Bills, because John Roth now is adding all of these responsibilities to his plate. He was supposed to be the guy who was going to oversee all of the stuff with the Sabres. Now he's doing that with the Bills. Up to this point, they have not hired somebody new to just do that for the Sabres. And I get it. It's an NHL team. It is not something that goes on the back burner but you've got a massive stadium being put up. It's an NFL team. You wonder, will the state, the Sabres get as much love as they should be getting? So I think that's another layer to all of this. Not something that I expected, not something that's going to have any impact of anything that happens on the field, but the timing of it is the thing that is just strange to me. I mean, a couple weeks after they did that stadium groundbreaking, a week before training camp starts, we probably were going to get a new stadium update this week or next week, right around training camp. And now you wonder like, who are those coming from? Because that's the other thing here too. Ron was so accommodating to speak with us and to get and us available. updates and available. Like we could call Ron and ask him a couple questions just about things that we wanted to know. And he almost always got back to us. Terry hasn't spoken to the media. I mean, he did at the groundbreaking. But he didn't take questions. Like, that was like Correct. a very staged, you know, setting. Uh, when is the last time we have heard from Terry as media? Because I can't think of it. Maybe a couple of owners' meetings ago in some capacity. I'm not even sure. Not even then. Because I remember this past owners' meetings we didn't. The one before that was all about the stadium kind of finally, you know, the, the, the initial part of it with the owners' voting. We didn't hear from him then. So it's been a little while since we heard from Terry really in any capacity. But now he's the team president. So I would team president talks. Capacity. Team president has to talk. 
at some point, right? I mean, it's not going yeah. to be every day. No, but, no. But yeah, we're, we're gonna we're gonna hear from, and we, we should hear from Terry Pagula at some point because that's what happens. The team president speaks about you know what's happening within the organization. Um, I, I want to go back to what you said about the average fan won't notice. I agree with that. Look, on the field, Sean McDermott is still the head coach. Brandon Bean is still the general manager. Josh Allen is still the quarterback. They still have a 90-man roster. They're still opening training camp at St. John Fisher next Wednesday. This isn't going to – most people are going to notice nothing. We will notice a lot because of all the different things that, you know, the people that we talk to and how we get information, how the information is disseminated, those kinds of things will matter. And maybe down the road – there's something that, you know, happens or someone says something where more fans kind of do kind of take stock and take notice of the changes. Mm-hmm. But that's right. As far as the football team is concerned, Matt, and I would also say this, I don't think the Bills, I don't think Bills fans have any reason to worry that this means the team in any shape or form would be less competitive. The only way that would happen is if Terry Pagula suddenly decided to pull the purse strings and say, I'm not paying you know, my top players, which we have no evidence whatsoever that he's ever done that or is willing to do that. It's this, this Terry and Kim, they spend money and they yeah. have spent money and they're going to continue to do that to put the best roster they can on the field. This also comes, by the way, on the heels of the extensions that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott got. So if anybody's thinking something is changing within the football structure of the organization, it's not. And in fact, the title of the article at the team's official website says, bills make changes to the business side of the organization. And I think that is to make sure people know nothing's changing with football. Yeah, that's their way of saying like, okay, you know, to, to control the narrative in a certain way of just saying like, okay, listen, this really doesn't impact. It impacts us more than it impacts probably most people. The thing that I am curious of where this goes though, is do we still get the updates on the state? Cause I think right now that's probably the thing that's got the most direct impact is the stadium. Do we still get the updates on the same timelines that we were? And if we do, are those coming from Terry are those just coming from press releases that are sent to us? And then we basically relay the information to the people who are watching, listening and reading, or is nothing going to change? And I just have a hard time believing nothing's going to change. I, I don't have Terry Pagula's number. I can't just pick up my phone and call Terry and say, Hey, when you told me that the stadium was the height of the lights, plus an additional 20 feet, does that include the new light? Like those were the conversations you could have with Ron and you could try and figure out like some of those little details. And then that made it a little bit easier to explain to people what to expect with the new stadium. This is a long process. Like there needs to be updates that happen along these next several years while they're building the stadium. And I don't know how we're going to get those I, uh, unless they make John Roth, the point person on those sure. now, which they could. I don't recall. I think I've met John Roth once. I do not believe he has like spoken as a voice of either the Sabres or Bills to this point. I could be wrong on that. Maybe he has done something with the Sabres, but maybe that becomes his role now. I don't know. I would say, according to the press release, the Bills set out in the story at their website, it said Roth will continue as the chief operating officer of the Sabres and PSE. And with the Bills, he will now oversee the team's ticketing, business development, and the media and content department. So I do think that that kind of falls under there. Plus they have a terrific PR team and Derek Boyko and his staff, yeah. obviously, you know, so if we need updates, we can always go there, but it seems like John Roth will now be, um, you know, a big part of that prior to joining the Sabres and PSC. He worked the previous 24 years at Fidelity Investments as an investor and served as portfolio manager. Okay. 
The other news here is there are other people uh, they're going to be involved. We have, let me go here, um, here, John Roth, executive vice president, chief operating officer, Catherine D'Angelo, general counsel and senior vice president of business administration. And okay. John, and I want to say his name right. And I apologize if I don't, uh, Zrolikowski. He'll be the okay. senior vice president of finance and business administration. In addition, okay. Penny Samaya was hired as the vice president of stadium relations. So there oh, might be also that might someone be that, you know, you can go to there, but again, maybe that's the person. I think that most people listening to us are like, I don't care where you guys get your information. I just want to know. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. And that's what we want to make sure we still have for you guys. We want to make sure that we can still right. give you updates and we can still kind of walk you along on the process because you're going to see steel late in this season and then you're going to look and you're going to go wow like look the stadium's getting close but we're still several years away there's still so many different things that need to happen so i just want to make sure that we're able to kind of provide that to everybody who i said is watching listening reading whatever it happens to be i think this is a surprising move i think it's a head scratching move but i don't think it's like a you know, sound the alarms this is crazy or oh my goodness what's going on at one bill's drive like i i don't think that's just my read on it. I don't think that any of that stuff is true. July 26th, Wednesday next week. If you're listening to this in, in, in time, uh, the team will open up training camp and really on the field, as we just said, not much is going to change, but there are still some things that could change once they get there as far as who's on the field and how often it's always game day in Buffalo, Sal Capaccio and Matt Bove. All right, Matt, I think there are, three real actual legitimate spots that are open competition on this roster for starters. Okay. You tell me if I'm wrong. Okay. In no particular order middle. We know middle linebacker is, I mean, the team says it, they're going to have an open competition. Yeah. Cornerback too. We had that discussion. Mm -hmm. And I think the other one is slot receiver. Yeah. I don't think there's an open competition at guard. I'm not saying Osiris Torrance can't win it by having an incredible camp. Mm -hmm. I don't think that tight end I count because you're going to have two of them anyway. Yep. If you get Dalton Kincaid on the field before Dawson Knox, that's not to me meaning he's the starter over Dawson. I think they're going to use both of them. Yeah. Um, if you can find another one, you let me know. But I think slot receiver is the third. I think quarterback is something we got to yeah. talk about a little bit. Um, I don't think there is a big argument at slot receiver. I think it's something we've spent not a lot of time talking about just because so much of their focus will be on Stefan Diggs and it'll be on Gabe Davis. I think it's Deontay Hardy's jobs to lose. Like they gave Deontay Hardy big money, not big money, but like so kind of big money, ever, medium money. They gave Deontay Hardy medium money to come in here and to make an impact. And if you look at his numbers and his production when he's healthy, he is a productive player. He can be a difference maker. I think they're, I don't know what their base offense is going to be, right? Like going into last season, I think we would have been pretty comfortable saying the Bills are going to spend a lot of time with three wide receivers, a tight end, and a running back on the field. That's going to kind of be their base offense. This year, I don't know if their base offense is 12 personnel. I don't know if it's 11 personnel. Like, I don't know what they're going to do. I would think, though, when they have three wide receivers on the field, Deontay Hardy is going to be utilized more than Khalil Shakir then Trent Sherfields, then Justin Shorter. Am I forgetting anybody? I don't know. Probably, but. Uh, well, it, it, I, I want to make the point here that we both, we're not dismissing how much Dalton Kincaid's going to be in the slot. Yes, I think like a, a lot. End. He's going to be lot. the slot receiver who's a tight end in 12 personnel. 
Yes. What we're talking about here is you have, we know the two outside starters. We know that's going to be Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis. All right. Mm-hmm. I would say Justin Shorter's an outside guy, right? I don't mm-hmm. think he's going to be factoring in the slot. I don't know if Trent Sherfield's going to play the slot. I feel like he's more of an outside guy, but I think he can play the slot. So I'll, I'll kind of put him in there. What we're talking about here is when they have three wide receivers on the field, who's the third guy in the slot mm-hmm. in between <laughs> Gabe Davis and Stefan Diggs. And I agree with you that I think Deontay Hardy has a legitimate shot here. And to me, it comes down to really Shakir against Hardy more than anything. Yeah. That's what I think the battle is. I think Sherfield can play there. He feels a little bit more to me like he'll be an outside guy, but we're going to get a lot of clarity in training camp. I think one thing that feels like it's happening with the Bills offense, they want to use these guys in different roles. You may see Sherfield in the slot and then outside. You may see Hardy outside a player two and then in the slot. And I think Khalil Shakir can do it all as well. Mm-hmm. Although I think his better position might be in the slot because he's not the biggest body. And I think he can obviously manipulate coverage a little bit better given his skill set from inside than outside. I was told once years ago when I started covering training camp, so it was probably like nine years ago, that you can almost never take anything away from running backs during training camp, and wide receivers are almost always the position that pop. And I think that there's been kind of some just really good evidence of that over the last couple of years. Last year, I remember going to training camp and Isaiah McKenzie popped. We spent a lot of time talking about Isaiah McKenzie, and then he got the opportunity But in that first game, the ball hits his hand. It goes up in the air. They get intercepted. And then it feels like after that, maybe he lost a little bit of the trust that he had and it just continued to go down. I think wide receiver is the position that we learn a lot about at training camp, and we will soon. Even though they don't have the pads on right away, there's not much that they're doing right away. You can see where the chemistry is building. You can see where Josh is looking. And a lot of times, the last few years, that has been in the slot. He had Cole Beasley. Now he had Isaiah McKenzie. I think Hardy's the one who comes into play here the most. I also wonder how much they move digs into the slot moving forward, because I think that can give them some looks that, you know, they've certainly used the last few years, but they have not used as much. Like what if you rolled out an offense that had Gabe Davis and Trent Sherfield on the outside, you threw digs and Kincaid in the slot, like good luck, like good luck (laughs) trying to stop that. Yeah, and look, James Cook is going to play a little bit mm-hmm. like out wide, right? I mean, I would expect him to catch passes out of the backfield. That's a big reason they remember last year was, oh, this guy runs routes like a wide receiver, yeah. right? I mean, so he's going to be a, a, a part of that as well. The two guys, um, okay, I think we're both clear and we're both on the same page on Hardy. Like, this is a guy we both expect is going to play. He's going to factor in. He's going to be in the slot in some capacity, I think, but he's going to play. I think we're both on the same wavelength on Sherfield. This is a guy that maybe something really nice comes from him. I'm interested where you are on Shorter and on Shakir. Um, Shakir is really interesting to me after the year he had. I think I'm higher on Shakir than I've heard a lot of other people on him. Mm-hmm. I do think he still has a chance. I liked him a lot last year Yeah, um, coming out. Now, just to circle back real quick before on Shakir, you remember why McKenzie had such a great opportunity at camp last year, right? Because Jamison Crowder was hurt? He was hurt right away. He never even started practicing. I think it was like immediately he was mm-hmm. not practicing. Injuries yeah. will happen. Injuries will unfortunately be a part and they will manipulate some of what we're talking about here as far as the depth chart and opportunity. But if everybody stays healthy, I still think Khalil Shakir can factor in here. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I'm Khalil Shakir is such an interesting one to me because I know when they drafted him, they said he could play either spot. They can play him on the outside. They can play him on the inside. 
And I believe that you probably can, but I still think he's got the skill set and the body type of somebody who should probably really, really be an impact player in the slot on the inside. But then they went out and gave Deontay Hardy money on a multiple year contract that basically runs concurrently with the rest of Khalil Shakir's contract. So I wonder how much faith do they have in him? Because if they did, would they have gone out? I mean, a team that's up to the cap, would they have gone out and signed a guy for three years? It's three years for Deontay Hardy, right? Two. Two, two years. Okay. Would they two have for signed Hardy, one for Sherfield? I'll check on that as you talk, but I believe that's what the deal is. It's just like, would you sign a guy for two years for the money that you gave him to be your slot replacement? Maybe you would. Maybe you want to give yourself as many options as you can moving forward. I think I've heard people say, oh, I could see Khalil Shakir taking a Gabe Davis type step as he continues to progress into his career. The thing about Gabe was that he kind of was utilized right away. Now, it was not to the level that he was in year two, but those crazy plays that were made in the like Colts playoff game, that was his rookie. That was Gabe Davis' rookie season. He caught the touchdown right. to beat the Dolphins week two of his rookie season. Shakir was fine last year. Like the good outweighed the bad to me. The only bad that I can even think of was that deep ball that he dropped, that it looked like he caught, that it ended up falling out of his uh, hands. But I, 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 like, I don't think he's cut. I think Khalil Shakir is on this team. I'm really confident in that. I mean, I'm if just Matt, not at the end of camp, if he's not going to factor, I would think that's the kind of guy you can get an asset for. Yeah, I guess. But what? A seventh? Because he was a fifth, well, sure, right? But that's what Brandon Bean would do, right? I don't think like I don't think Brandon Bean's just going to say he could tr he would try at least. I think he'd try. That's what he does. I mean, yeah, he got something for Cody Ford, right? I, I mean, like Khalil Shakir enough to think that that doesn't happen. Like, and I think they great, like him great. enough to think that that doesn't happen. But I think when you go down the list, Diggs, Davis, Knox, Kincaid, Hardy. I think all of those players have more targets than him this year. Probably right. Look, Gabe Davis, it's a great example you just gave. So go back to Gabe Davis's rookie year. Mm -hmm. He played some. He made some plays. He had some catches, especially in the playoffs. Playoff Gabe started. The next year, they signed Emmanuel Sanders. And Gabe did not elevate. He stayed in the same role he was, mm -hmm. buried behind another wide receiver. Like there's no rule that says in your second year you got to be this, you know, player that has so many more snaps and so many more targets. Maybe that's Khalil Shakir, but it also doesn't mean that he has to be off the team. Deontay Hardy by Deontay Hardy, by the way, nine and a half million dollars for two years. Like they're yeah. paying him. That's they're expecting him. And I think it's one point two for Trent Sherfield, but it is only one year. So yeah, I mean, they're they've invested here in these guys. Gabe Davis as a rookie, you know how many targets he had as a rookie? Uh 40 something. 62. There you go. 62 well, targets for 500 almost the exact same as second year 63 the next year so legitimately yep. one more target but i think that number is high so that kind of stagnant production makes more sense if khalil shakir has what did he have 12 targets last year or 12 catches or something like if he has a similar number then you're wondering like okay what is his long-term potential on this team let's see how many catches Shakir had last year Shakir had 10 catches for 161 he had 20 targets as a rookie 20 targets 10 catches 161 yards and a touchdown so I think the realistic expectation for him 
So he had 20 targets and 10 catches. I think he should have 50 targets and 35 catches. That should be like the expectation for Khalil Shakir. What's interesting to me about Khalil Shakir, though, is as the season went on, he started playing a little bit more, right? Like at the end of the year, he actually got on the field a little more. He got some more targets. Remember, he had a big drop in that playoff game against Miami, but then he had a huge catch later in that same game, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I think if I'm remembering the game right, maybe it was the Saturday night game against Miami where that happened. I think it was the playoff game. But as the year went on, he did. I'm going to give you a snap counts real quick. Khalil Shakir, um, well, I mean, a couple of games, blowouts, he was in the 30s, but mostly 15, 17, 9, 15, 16. But at the end of the year, 34, 16, yeah. 12, 22, and 25 at the end, and then the playoff game. So I, that's why he's more interesting, that it seemed like they started to trust him more. He's kind of the Kyrie Elam of offense, right? Yeah, a little bit. I think they trusted him more, though. Maybe not just – Maybe it's not anything he did. Maybe it's just that they didn't trust the other people in that position. 30 snaps in the playoff game against Miami, by the way. 30 snaps. Yeah, I mean, I I don't dislike the player. I I actually like the player. I like his skill set. Khalil Shakir was another player. I keep saying Khalil. It's Khalil, whatever. I think he would would understand. Um, He was a player that really popped during training camp last year. We talked about Shakir a lot at training camp. So there's going to be another person who pops this year. Maybe it's him again. Maybe it's Hardy. I just think given the money that they gave Hardy and given his past production in the NFL, I think he has a bigger role on this team than maybe some people are projecting. All right, Matt. Um, Anything else you want to wrap up on this? On, I mean, is there anybody on the roster on the depth chart that you think could even factor in that we haven't talked about, about here? I mean, Desmond Patman, Keyshawn Johnson, not that one. Uh, Keyshawn, he came last year to the team, actually. Yeah. Uh, Isaiah Coulter, Brian Thompson, Terrell Shavers, Marcel Aitman, and Jalen Wayne, who, by the way, is the cousin Reg- or nephew? Reggie, uh, Reggie Wayne's Wayne. nephew, yep. I believe. Nephew. Reggie Wayne. As far as the receivers are concerned, not really. I think they're going to keep Diggs, Davis, Hardy, Sherfield, Shakir, and Shorter. I think those are going to be the six guys that make the team. Do you agree? I'm on the fence on shorter. I think if you pin me down right now, I says he makes it. He's your Jay Kumaro who plays mm-hmm. special teams. Yeah. But I could see them keeping five. If there's enough guys around the roster at other spots where they feel that they don't have to do that. And then he's a practice squad guy who maybe gets elevated a couple times. A <coughs> I think the most interesting. Now this is much more of like a depth and who makes the team. I, I would think- agree with you right now, but I'm going to put shorter on. If I did a 53, I think I'd put shorter on. I just want to make that clear. I just, I'm not, I'm not super like entrenched on that. I think the two spots that are the most interesting as far as who makes the team and who doesn't are at offensive line and defensive line. There are a lot of names and bodies there that there will be some decent players who get cut. You wonder, does Boogie Basham have a spot on this team? AJ Epinesa, does Shaq Lawson, like you brought him back, is Jordan Phillips an absolute lock that he makes the team? You brought in Puna Fort. Like, these are now the questions that, we have to think about because so many, especially in the defensive line, besides that Oliver, all of those guys are under contract for just this more se- just one more season. So you're really not projecting at this point with that position, you are putting together the best guys that help you right now. And they're going to have some difficult decisions that they have to make. Also what's going to happen with Von Miller. Like is Von Miller going to be placed on the pup list right away? Or are they going to give us some update that like, hey, maybe he'll be okay? Do you remember? 
What did they I do? Go ahead. I apologize. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I, You're fine. I fully believe Von will start training camp on Pup. I don't think he's going to. He even indicated, like, by the end of camp, he'd like to get some reps. Well, that means he won't start getting reps early in camp, which means he'll start on Pup. That's what I fully expect. Just like the Jets to, just did with Brees Hall. Yeah. But yet everything we keep hearing is Brees Hall is going to be ready week one, but they started him on Pup to start training camp. Was Trey on Pup to start last year, training camp? Yes. Okay. Yes. So. And he stayed there. Until what week? Um, I can't remember. Well, it's only a four week deal. Okay. And then, and then you, and then I don't think they took him off pup for a couple more weeks, but then he didn't come back. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. you, at some point after four weeks, you can go back or you can just stay on pup. But once, once you go back, you have two weeks to actually play in a game. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you this. This is completely speculation from both of us. When do you think Von Miller plays? Let me look at the schedule. I'm going to guess week six. Okay. I was going to say like week five, somewhere in that range. The only reason I didn't say five is five is London, isn't it? Yeah, it is London. That's the only reason I didn't say it. I I actually only because I think long trip out there. It is grass. Kind of stadium field. Let's make sure we have in our environment that we're all set on this. I think it is grass though. Wembley it is, or not it Wembley is. It's also uh, Tottenham a new field. like it's a new environment you've never played on before right that's true that's true and I, then I don't that, know maybe I'm reading too much into it I just feel like having him at your facility with everything you are comfortable with and he is might be the best option I don't see him playing the first month of the year now that they've signed Leonard Floyd that tells mm-hmm. me kind of that they're preparing for that yeah or I agree with you it tells me that they're kind of preparing for that as well I do think though Leonard Floyd is not just a let's get you to Vaughn. It's a, let's get you to Vaughn, but also like, I don't know if it's third down late in the season and you need to play. Oh yeah. I'm not, I'm not convinced that it's Miller and Rousseau. I think it could be Floyd and Vaughn. Like, I think that you could have, you know, a real think about if you had four guys, let's say you've got four guys on the line and you need a big play. You could have Floyd Miller you could even put Rousseau inside if you really wanted to get crazy. And then like at Oliver and you just better hope that they don't run. But if they're passing like that would be scary. Um, That's a great topic that we need to discuss at some point. I agree with you. I think Leonard Floyd, he's going to factor in this year. It's not just, you know, get to Vaughn. You're right. I mean, this is a guy that's had like the fourth or fifth mile of sacks overall in the league over the last three years. Yeah, he's a nine, nine sack guy every year lately. So I think that that's a great point. And this could be a, hey, this guy's here and he's going to help us. And when Vaughn comes back, he's still going to be a major part of what we do. I think fully they anticipate that happening. All right, before we uh, go here, this is the weekend of, you tell me, the British Open or the Open Championship, Matthew? I still call it the British Open, but I know it's technically called the Open Championship. I have it on on the TV right behind us right now. I'm watching it. We're watching it on Thursday morning. right? What? I think you said it's technically. Technically, we call it the British Open. Officially, it's yes, the Open yes. Officially, it is the Open Championship. It's weird that this is the last major of the year now. I understand why they did it. They wanted a major every single month. It's just weird that this is the one they end on. I think to me, it actually makes me more interested. This was often the one that I think got lost in the shuffle. You want to talk about a year 
So my wife and I, this last year has been just insane for like all the wrong reasons. But when we went to Italy and we got COVID last year, we got back this weekend and my wife was sick and she thought she had COVID. Like I was in a hospital, not a hospital. I was in a hotel room for a week isolating and I was actually stuck with my mom. Yeah. So we got home and my wife was like, I just don't feel good. She's like, I wonder if I got COVID because she continued on the trip. Well, it turns out she was pregnant. So I found out that she was pregnant while watching the Open Championship on my couch. It was not like this big, grandiose moment of like, oh my goodness, we're pregnant, we're having a baby. It was her walking downstairs and going, oh my God, we're pregnant. And I'm sitting there watching golf and being like, what? That's how you'll what? always remember. <laughs> what is going on? So yeah, so now I think that is what do I what I associate with the Open Championship. Right. So I'm, ho- I'm hoping nobody surprises me with that news. I'm kind of good on big news and surprises at this point in my life right now. Well, it's funny you say that. We found out we were pregnant 10 years ago while in Las Vegas. Ooh. And my wife literally just flew to Las Vegas last night. So now it's bringing back memories for me as well. And let's hope that's not the case this weekend while she's out in Las Vegas um, that we find out, you know, stop all these people thinking things they shouldn't be thinking. You know what I mean? All right. So here, here's what I want to ask though, real quick. You are a golf guy. Like you respect the game. You play the game. You call it the British open. So you don't like get offended or correct people if they call it the British open because you do it. No, not at all. It's like some people do. Okay. I don't. Here's another one that is not, this is a little different, but this is not grammatically correct. What do you call them all in Cheektawaga? Call the what? What do you call the big mall in Cheektawaga? Correct. Well, I grew up there and I call it the Galleria Mall. Exactly. But- that is not right because they okay. mean the same thing. So technically the name is the, or officially the name is the Walden correct. Galleria, but everybody calls it the Galleria Mall. Love it. That's totally fine. Like, that's what you call it. I don't care. Everybody calls it the British Open. I don't care. I don't care if that's not the official name of it. That's what most people know it by. Well, I gave the example the other day on the radio, and I'll say it here. The day everyone starts calling it the Rose Bowl presented by Prudential, the Rose Bowl game presented by Prudential, then I'll care Mm -hmm. more about calling it the Open Championship. These these games, these bowl games, all have these names attached to it. But it is interesting because – some people do care enough because of why it was changed to the British Open, almost because maybe we westernized a- it because we just kind of said it's over there in Britain, even though actually mm-hmm. most of them are not. Yeah, I know. I know. That's I know that's why they made the change. Britain, it right. Conveniently is in Great Britain this year, but it's not always there. Also, uh, shout out Coziel shooting the 71 with you the other day. Amazing. Amazing. And um, unfortunately, you couldn't be there. I know, you know, we extended the invite and I know you were um, going through what you were with your family and your your dad and everything. Um, but I'll tell you, it was something to watch. It was super impressive. And I, Brian Coziel from WGR Sports Radio 550, host of our Tita Green show on Saturday mornings. He shot a 71 at Pendleton Creek in Tonawanda. And I mean, I was in the group watching Matt. He birdied the first hole and parred every single hole for the next 13. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a heck of a day. Is that his, did he say, is that his best his round? Best, yeah. He, what, he put the card on his, on his like mirror. He said, you're going to be on my mirror for a while. So I break this one. What is your, uh, what's your best round ever? 79. 79. Okay. Well, it's in the 70s. So actually my best round ever is also at Pendleton Creek. It was a 74. 
Um, and then I've shot a 75 nice. a couple times wow. at like Niagara Frontier. Yeah. I mean, when <sighs> I used to, when I used to play a lot, you know, in, in Pendleton Creek, I love it there. That's the course that I grew up playing. That's the home course for the Niagara Weedfield golf team. So I yep, played there yep. a ton. I had a, so many of my friends grew up as members there and somebody who I'm very good friends with is now the, actually the head pro there. Um, so I play Pendleton Creek a lot. It is a scoreable golf course. Like yes. if you are somebody who is, you know, a decent golfer, you should be able to go out and have a fairly good day. The biggest thing with Pendleton Creek is you need to just hit your driver straight. If you're in the fairway off of the tee, you should be able to, because the greens are all pretty similar they're back to, you know, they start low, they slowly get elevated. You know, you can really go at your putts if you're below the hole. They're not, it's not super long, but I'm not taking anything away from Brian. 71 is a hell of a no. day. I mean, it's I mean, three shots better, should... the best that I've ever shot. So it's, hey. I've never even come close to, I mean, because that's one under, right? Like, oh my yeah. God, it's one, he shot under par. I've, it was the most incredible, like, around I've ever been around someone watching him just hit shot after shot and, Anytime it was even close to a bad shot, he just recovered so well. But there's a difference when you say like shoot a decent score. That's right. But 71 is well beyond decent, right? Decent score, like mid 80s is I, I'd be happy with that if I took that yeah. home, even from Pendleton Creek, which is a scorable course, of course. Like you said, all right, a couple of things real quick before we head out of here. Let's reset. Number one, um, don't forget Barbill in Rochester, yeah. Barbill Tavern, Monday, July 31. Matt and I are going to be recording and doing this show live on video and audio. Come by, say hi, say live. We're recording it. We'll put it out after. <laughs> Come say hi. Some special guests along the way. Some fun times, some chicken wings, some drinks. Let's do it. Come see us. Nine-minute drive from St. John Fisher in Rochester during the heart, heart of Bill's training camp while they're out there. July 31, that's a Monday night. We're going to start around 7 o'clock. We'll probably be there a little beforehand, and we'll stay, obviously, after to have some fun. The other thing, we are on audio, of course, iTunes, Spotify, WGR Sports Radio 550 on demand. And of course, in the Odyssey app, we're also on video. Um, Sal Sports on the YouTube page. I really want to invite everybody to go and subscribe to the YouTube page, Matt, because a lot's going to be happening there soon. And we're going to do a lot more with my personal YouTube page, but this is a big part of it. So that's all I'll say about it. And I'll fill everybody more in a little bit later, but it's real exciting stuff. So please go and see our smiling faces. Matt, I hope that you and your family um are doing better and okay like you said you're never fully okay but i hope the days um bring you a lot more comfort as we go on and i don't know how to say it properly but you know what i'm trying to say no i know what you're saying and thank you again and thank you to everybody who reached out the direct messages about what you did when you lost a parent somebody told me it's a club that unfortunately one day everybody's going to probably be in we just happened to be in it a little bit sooner than we anticipated. And that's kind of how I felt. The best analogy that I have heard was from a friend. And they said, right now, your head, your body, whatever it is, is a 10 by 10 room. And there is a massive ball inside that room that is touching the walls in every spot. And right now it all hurts. Every time that ball hits the wall, it hurts. But as time goes on, that ball gets a little bit smaller and smaller and smaller, and it'll still bounce around the room. And when it hits the wall, it hurts still, but that happens less and less and less. And that is kind of how we're approaching this right now of just getting through it. And honestly, this is therapeutic in a way to do the podcast. My dad loved listening to the podcast. One of the last things we did was listen to the podcast in his hospital room. He was in the hospital for a month. He could just watch TV. So after a while, he was like, hey, throw on a podcast. And then it's weird, like listening to a podcast with yourself in it. But he's like, throw on the podcast. I want to listen to the most recent episode. So I put it on and we sat there and we listened to it. And then we listened to a Sabres thing. And yeah, so 
you know, this has been a nice little return to reality and I'm looking forward to getting back to work for that reason. But what a year. Just can't believe it's happened. We also want to thank our great producer, Lucas Buckley. Always thank you, Lucas. Really nice job. We have more on uh, Lucas as well coming up soon. Uh, Lucas is mo- making moves in this world, and we're really, really proud of him. So I don't think we're going to have him very much longer, if I can say so, because that's a good thing for Lucas Buckley. But in the meantime, he's still with us, and we're very happy for that. Thank you, Lucas, for all your hard work. Hope to see everybody July 31st at Barbill in Rochester. In the meantime, we will talk to you the next time, and it's always game day in Buffalo.